Welcome in. It's another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here with the Indy Star. I'm your host, Derek Schultz, and the star of the show, as always, is award-winning columnist Greg Doyle. It's football week, Greg. How are you? Uh, it's hard to believe. It is hard to believe we're actually going to get games. I keep thinking this feels like Charlie Brown and and that old Peanuts cartoon where he's about to kick the field goal and Lucy <laughs> takes the ball from him. I just feel like – because there, there's really no college football yet. There's been some FCS stuff, but I don't think we've seen any real games yet. I don't think so. Until I see the ball in the air kicked, I'm not sure I believe it. Yeah, I mean, does does Arkansas State playing really count as college football, right? I mean, it's been a little bit of a, a soft opening to this season. But what's really kind of surreal for me, Greg, is, of course, last year the Colts ended with that embarrassing second-half collapse in Jacksonville to cap a losing season. And now they open up going back to Jacksonville. And it's weird because, you know, it feels like, what was that, January 1st or January 2nd, whatever that was, uh, their last game in Week 17. feels like that was 100 years ago, but now to kind of come full circle and have it be in Jacksonville again. I'm really intrigued by this because everybody says that the Jaguars are terrible and they're selling off all their pieces and they cut Fournette and guys like that. But this is a place where the Colts have had a whole lot of trouble winning really over the last half decade plus. It's just so weird to me that we're we're talking about this game as if this game matters. And it does matter. I mean, it matters. But this is not just a normal game. This is not a normal season. This is – like I, I don't even think it matters who they're playing. The fact is they're playing. Now, I mean, you're right. that that th- This game will matter. If we get 16 games in this year, and I, I think we will. I mean, I, after watching baseball succeed, um, I guess I can see that football will – succeed too so I, so it matters they're, they're playing a, a division foe in the first game but it just feels so weird that we're talking about football in a football way but um yeah jacksonville sucks yeah major league baseball is going to you know it's kind of like a road trip they're going to get to their destination but they've blown three tires ran out of gas and had to stop in the middle of nowhere in nebraska <laughs> to get their alternator changed out you know what i mean like it's been a really rocky road for major league baseball Um, But I've been very impressed. I was very skeptical about the bubble with the NBA, especially in the heart of Florida, which has been one of the real problem areas throughout this pandemic. And I don't think you could give Adam Silver enough credit and the NBA players and coaches and everybody around them for maintaining the decorum to make it possible to have a really successful launch relaunch of the season. Yeah. And, and credit does go to both. I mean, it starts with silver, what the NBA did. That, that It's remarkable what they did. And, and, and it also goes to show if you have enough money and you have enough desire to make money, a lot of things are possible. And they had a lot of money and they threw money at the problem and they made it work. And that's great. Um, but how about the, it really was going to live or die, this bubble. It was going to pop or not with the players. They were either going to mm-hmm. behave as adults and – take the quarantine seriously and take the bubble seriously and not, I mean, we, we all know pro athletes and, and we know what they do. Baseball players too. Uh, they, they enjoy the nightlife with women. Okay. Let's be honest. And, and those women aren't in the bubble. So I never thought it was going to last for that reason. I just thought these guys, they're not going to be able to control themselves, you know, men are men. And, but, but they did now baseball. They're the ones that weren't controlling themselves. A couple teams had mass breakouts, because players went out on the road and you just, you know, you granted you can live your life and you do what you want to do. But if you're sacrificing an entire season because you can't control your hormones, that's no good. So I'm impressed with both sports that baseball, after a few flat tires, as you say, they figured it out. We've got a ton to talk about today. We will get to the pandemic stuff, the NBA stuff, uh, the Pacers ongoing coaching search, which you wrote about last week, Greg. 
But let's talk about really the news of the day, and that was yesterday the Colts getting the roster down to 53 and some surprises on that roster. Uh, probably the biggest surprise of all, I think most people were expecting the incumbent Chase McLaughlin to win the kicking job. And here's Rodrigo Blankenship, who is breathtakingly handsome, but also has a big leg. And here he comes out of nowhere, the rookie from Georgia, to win the kicking job. Yeah, and, and and I didn't go to every practice. I went to a few, but not everyone. But I talked to a lot of the guys that went to every practice, and everybody thought Chase McLaughlin had won the job. You know, was winning it, was going to win it, had won it. He he did nothing to lose it, and really Rodrigo didn't do a whole lot to take it from him. I mean, they're both fine. It, this became as as Ballard and Frank Reich were telling us yesterday. I asked them both, you know, why you know why Rodrigo over Chase. What Reich said was, in a, in, a, in a day with a lot of hard decisions, this was the hardest. They both made it clear that they just about flipped a coin. That it was just, these are two NFL kickers, and they just, they, they had to project. And I don't really know what they saw in Rodrigo better than Chase. And I don't mean that as an insult against Rodrigo. I'm just saying, they, you know, Chase has kicked NFL games and made kicks and, and didn't do anything to lose the job. But there's something about Rodrigo. In fact, what Frank Reich said is, I think it was him that said this. There's just something about him. And and he's right. There is something about that kid, young man. And uh, as I wrote it's in the paper today, it was online yesterday, I, I wrote that I, I really hope he can kick. Um, and I don't mean that as a slight. I mean, I really hope this works because, th- you know, you know, Pat McAfee was a phenomenon. Pat McAfee, punter, was the most popular player in town in, in some ways. And, and that's weird. You know, that doesn't happen. But obviously McAfee's a different guy. We can see what he's become. But um, – Rodrigo, in a much different way, will be a if he makes it here, he will be he will be a cult hero. He will be beloved here for all kinds of reasons. And so I really hope it works. I really hope it works just because this automatically becomes the most interesting kicker punter name combo in the league with Rodrigo and Rigoberto. <laughs> so yeah. we call Rigoberto Rigo. I, I don't know if Rodrigo is just hot rod, so hot rod and Rigo. Um, but two just really interesting dudes. And uh, that, that guy at Georgia, you know, I have a friend that lives in that area, and he says he, the kicker was the most popular player on the entire team with the fan base. And that's crazy for a UGA program that, like you wrote, Greg, they put like a dozen guys in the league every year. Yeah, and when they they announced their starting lineup and they put the seniors on the video board – at the stadium, and and when Rodrigo's face comes on, in my story, there's a YouTube clip, you can click on it. When his name comes on, the crowd, it's different. The crowd no- noise is different. And, you know, we see this a lot with, like, basketball walk-ons. You know, Tommy Luce at Purdue um, was the most popular boilermaker. You know, this does happen from time to time, and Rodrigo was a walk-on um, at Georgia until he got a scholarship. But th- this is more than that. I mean, he was – I mean, he, he won games. And if you remember in the playoffs a couple years ago when they played Alabama – they were getting their butt kicked by Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. It was like, I remember on Twitter, we were like, well, this game sucks. Mm-hmm. It's over. Oklahoma was up, I think, 31-14. And then last play of the first half, Blankenship blasts a 55-yarder to make it a two-touchdown game. And that's where it starts. Like, that's where the – we'll never know. But if he doesn't make a 55-yarder on the final play of the first half, it's hard to believe that Georgia comes back because that's where it all started. Anyway, then the following week or whenever they played Alabama for the title – it goes to overtime. Georgia, you know, spits up all over itself. And on the first possession, they're forced to kick a 51-yard field goal. And it's Rodrigo. And, and you know at that moment, if he misses this kick, it's over. Alabama will just, you yeah. know, I mean, it's over. 
he hits a 51 yarder. They didn't win the game, so he didn't get credit for like the clutch kick, I guess. But anyway, he's really good. I really find it interesting, by the way, that all of you hipsters look the same. I mean, <laughs> you all look the same. It's it's the same hair, it's the same facial hair, the black. I mean, you all look the same, and he looks just like you, and vice versa. But it's not like there's finally a doppelganger for you, Derek. There's a million doppelgangers. You all look the same. Yeah, but the thing is, like, anybody can have a blueprint. It's about kind of executing that, and both me and Rodrigo really execute it well. You know what I mean? You could plan the look, but you either can pull it off or you can't. And clearly, I mean, you guys know this from, you know, following me for a long time. I can pull it off, and, and now you're seeing that Rodrigo can pull that off, too. Um, some other hold on, but, but hold on. About the pulling it off, I do want to say this, because this is unusual. You and, Ro and Rodrigo – by the way, Rigoberto – they call him Rigo. Rodrigo, his last four letters are Rigo. Are they both Rigo? But anyway, um, you guys, normally hipsters don't, they're not jacked. You're kind of jacked. I mean, you got arms. I mean, you're kind of jacked. Hipsters, <laughs> the whole point of being a hipster, and I don't mean to offend anybody out there, but you all know what I'm talking about. Being hipster is almost like waving the white flag. Like, listen, I, I'm, I'm not jacked. I'm not terribly good looking. I'm going to cover my face with facial hair. I'm going to put big, thick glasses on. And I'm just going to get through life with a look because Lord knows I don't have anything else to pull it off. Usually you guys don't look good. You're jacked, and he's jacked too. It's You're very unusual hipsters. I appreciate you saying that, but you have not actually seen me in person since, what, like February? So I can tell you that I have become increasingly less jacked. If you know, It's debatable if I was ever jacked, but I'm definitely not jacked now after, you know, I've probably been to the gym like three times in the last, whatever it is, eight months. You're not but, working um, out on your on your floor because I I mean I, I've got my, my girlfriend has a boxing and she she bought a bag for me and anyway I was but before that happened I was doing sit ups and push ups and curling like five pounds and was I'm doing great you could you're not doing that yeah I I've never been a home workout guy I just need to like be with free weights and all of that like I. I do the same stuff that I've done for like 20 years. I, I had a lot of friends that were football players and they would take me through whatever their regimen was. And that was, that's what I do. So not like, you know, I don't do like squats and cleans and all that other stuff, but, um, but I mostly just do free weight stuff. And, um, you know, Greg, I, I can't afford to buy all the weight that I require <laughs> to properly work out. You know, weights are very expensive. You know, obviously you, you don't have the vanity thing because, and maybe I do because I clearly, it didn't matter to you enough, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's kind of cool, I guess, that you're not so vain that you insisted on maintaining whatever. Whereas I'm so vain, like I, when this whole thing, the lockdown started, and I realized back in March, okay, I can't go to the gym anymore. Even my apartment closed its gym. I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. I decided I'm going to be the one guy that comes out of this thing looking better than he started it, and I just started doing push-ups and steps in my apartment. So, and, I, and I'm sure there are people like me out there that decided I'm doing this, and there's people like you that decided it doesn't really matter that much, and. Sometimes I wish I was more like you, where I wasn't so damn, I, mean, I wish I wasn't so damn intense about everything, but yeah. I, I decided, no, 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 I'm going to do this. Three things that have helped me. Uh, one, I really just don't drink. My wife doesn't drink. So, you know, a lot of my friends that drink beer, that's kind of hard when you, you just naturally put on weight when you're drinking beer. Uh, two, I have a toddler at home who's about 40 pounds who I'm lifting up God knows how many times per day. So that's a nice little, you know, arms workout just to pick up my kid. And three, I think um, the Amazon job, lifting boxes and stuff like that has helped me maintain a little bit. So I haven't been like, I, I'm kind of like you, like I, I'm, I, I don't want to let myself go or anything like that. I'm just not completely obsessed over it because I've been able to at the very least sort of maintain.
I tell you what, being a dad with a small kid, it is a bunch of lifting. You're right about yeah. that. I've, I've got a cat that's really overweight, but but it's, <laughs> it's not the same thing. We should just do a workout pod on the side, like Doyle and Derek gym tips or something like that. I think there's a, a thirst for that. I don't know. <laughs> Tweet us at Craig Doyle Star at Schultz975 if you want to hear us talk about like curl workouts and stuff like that in the future. Yeah, please. Oh. Um, let's get back to the Colts depth chart. A couple of other interesting things, um, notably at wide receiver, Greg, because, you know, they had some of those returnees. Really, there was basically one spot for Marcus Johnson, Reese Fountain, and Ashton Doolin. And I think they ultimately went with Doolin because he was the best special teams player out of that group and, and obviously can also contribute as a pass catcher. They keep Reese Fountain on the practice squad, thankfully, to take another look. I mean, you feel bad for him and his luck, and who knows what's going to happen with Marcus Johnson. But also Chad Kelly back with the team as well. Yeah, I, I'm surprised that nobody took Reese Fountain. Um, I mean, I guess a little bit. Coming off that brutal injury, I suppose I suppose it'd be tough for a team to say, we're going to give one of our 53 to you know a player that didn't work out for us and had that awful broken leg. So I guess I'm not that surprised. I just I look at his body. I mean, he's big. And I saw him play, and you know, I saw him practice a few times. He looked good, um, and from all accounts, he had a great camp. So I, I think he'll play in the league. I think he'll play in the league for a long time. Um, it just not not yet, I guess. Uh, Chad Kelly, I'm I'm not surprised at all. A, I mean, you, you that he's on the. I mean, Eason had to be make the 53. Someone someone would have claimed him, but B, no one's going to claim Chad Kelly. You know, he we love him around here, and he's he's behaved himself, and and he plays with a swag and all that. And so he, I mean. The Colts fans like him a lot, but there's there's no thirst. There's less of a thirst for Chad Kelly around the league than there is around this city for you and me having a weightlifting. <laughs> the, the, the thirst for us is much more than any thirst for Chad Kelly around the league. So yeah, he'll be here no as debate. long. He'll be here until Frank Reich decides that he is he is paid in full whatever he feels like he owes Jim Kelly. I don't mean that a bad way, but I mean he's he's clearly doing Jim Kelly. A favor, you know, by keeping his son or nephew kind of relevant, keep him in the game, and, and giving Chad Kelly a chance to, you know, re- rehabilitate himself, reinvent himself, maybe get it. Because the, the kid is has NFL talent. He just has screwed himself up. But Frank Reich is letting him stick around, and that's great. Um, and I, I do wonder, if they didn't have a 16-man roster, if there was only eight on the practice squad, I bet Chad Kelly didn't make Oh, it. yeah, there's no way. Yeah, because no way. you, you want to carry four quarterbacks. Uh, so, right. yeah, I, I think that's the reason that he's definitely on there. And who knows? I mean, maybe he helps them prepare for opponents. Maybe he's a good scout team guy. You know, I, I have no idea. Clearly, it seems that he has kept his nose clean because he had a, basically no chances left, right, when he signed here. So good for Chad Kelly. You know what he does? He does – really quick, sorry, but he does serve a purpose. I, I, don't, I don't have their schedule in front of me, so I don't know who they're playing, the quarterbacks, but – there will be Deshaun Watson. There will be quarterbacks they play with a lot of mobility, and Chad Kelly will be the guy to have your your defense go against the scout team. So that that I mean that, that could pay off. I think that I'm right in saying this. Your expectations for this team are, are very high, right? Did you believe very. that they're going to be a contender? Yeah, you know, and I part of that, and only part of it. I I like their roster a lot all by itself, but the the, the division stinks. However. You know, the Titans are the one team with a chance to be pretty good, I think. Or at least the one team that you can believe in the most. Anything can happen, but the one team you can believe in the most are the Titans. And they just got Clowney. You know, so they – Clowney makes the entire defense better. So that – but still, having said that, yeah, I, I see the Colts I, – I mean, 11, 12 wins would not surprise me at all. I mean, not not even close to surprise me if they win 11 or 12. 
See, I don't think the division stinks. I think Jacksonville stinks. Uh, but they've been a thorn in the Colts' side, so I want to be very careful with, with this Jacksonville game coming up here in week one. But, you know, I, I almost don't even care who Houston puts out there. Houston, far, in the, far and away to me, has the best quarterback in the division. So that alone, I think, makes them a seven, at worst, a seven and nine team, probably more like an eight or nine win team. And while I, I do think Tennessee, a lot of what they did last year was smoke and mirrors, I think that roster is very solid. Um, at the very least. So, you know, I, I think three out of the four teams, I wouldn't be shocked if Houston or Tennessee won the division. I wouldn't. Um, I'm expecting the Colts to win, and I think they should win the division, but neither of those teams winning the division to me would be like a huge shock. Houston does have two things that nobody else has. Uh, they do have the best quarterback, Deshaun. Well, they have J.J. Watt, too. They have three things. No, There, there is no player like J.J. Watt in the, on defense. I mean, Clowney's good, but, I mean, he's – hadn't even been working out yet. So they got clearly the best defense player in the division, clearly the best quarterback in the division, and then they've got the best home field advantage in the division. Um, no offense, Colts fans, but you, you know you, you rarely sell out Lucas Oil. Well, hell, you know why I take that back? It doesn't. There is no home field advantage this year. I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot. We're, see, we're talking about football like football is normal. Yeah. It's not. I forgot that Reliant Stadium or whatever they call that will not be full, so never mind. Um, that was Houston, actually. So of their three advantages, they only have two of them. But they still have the same coach and the same who is the GM. So I don't believe you're right. Yeah. yeah. I need to look up because I think Jacksonville said like a month ago that they were going to do 25 percent. Colts just announced that they're going to do 2,500 fans, which feels like a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> um, I, I, I haven't even seen what Tennessee and Houston are going to do. I mean, are they going to do 25 percent? Are they going to do like a number like the Colts are? And I, I think the NFL really is making a mistake, not making it uniform. Um that, that's just me. I think they should go out there and, and save these teams from having to make that decision themselves. Well, here's why Here's why they can't, um, at least in their, their – because they look at a, play, a team like the Colts, who – I mean, the Colts wanted more. The Marion County said, uh-uh, you can't. So, and, I'm, and I'm sure there's a team out there I – don't, I don't know yet, but I'm sure there's a team out there that their, their local city will not let them have fans for the first game. Who I don't know where that is, but I'm sure it's, it's raging somewhere where they can't do it. Point is – if you're the NFL, you've got to go the lowest common denominator. You can't force Marion County to lift you up. So they, they would have to go, if we're going to be even, then, you know, let's say the Colts have the worst deal, 2,500 fans. Is the NFL really going to tell 31 teams, sorry, you have a chance to make money, but we're not going to let you because Marion County is being stingy. Nah. Yeah, good point. Yeah, And California is letting none in, right? Oh, okay. At least for the so first month. Yeah, I, I know for the first month that they're not letting anybody in. I'm not sure um, – you know, again, I, I should probably have researched that before we started this podcast today because I'm sure that all of the teams have some sort of edict for the fans. Yeah, but why should we be prepared? There's no thirst for you and me being prepared for the podcast. <laughs> There's thir thirst for the workout. There's thirst to hear my story about high school baseball that we'll tell. I'll tell later. Um, but there is zero thirst for you and I actually having a professional podcast. In See, fact, I disagree. In fact, last <laughs> I, I disagree. People are thirsty for us, Greg. They're very thirsty. But not to be professional. Not, not, not if I'm oh, well, yeah, okay. Not all buttoned up. Not if I'm on board. I mean, there's no <laughs> thirst for that. If I'm here, I'm not I'm not stupid. I, I know what I bring and I don't bring that. In fact, you 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 asked me last night, should we have like a little logo of some sort just for it to make tweeting out stuff easier and it'd just be kind of cool. And I, I suggested, yeah, we should do a D and D logo with a 20-sided dice. And have your face, my face, maybe eighteen other sports faces on that dice, 
And, and genius, you said, oh, well, I think some people affiliate D&D with Dungeons and & Dragons, and I'm not sure how cool that is. I'm like, that's my point, Derek. Yeah, I didn't even think of that being the 20 side because I've never actually played Dungeons & Dragons, but I should have known that that's what that was a reference to. Seriously, I um, thought all you kids just played D&D. I wonder if you went in the Colts locker room and you asked every single, because all those guys are what, you know, mainly in their 20s, if they even know what, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is was a huge like godfather of this whole role playing environment that we have now with all this stuff, Fortnite and, all, you know, everything that's come since. But uh, so I know of the cultural relevance. I just wonder how many people in the, like you and me were kind of in the age range where that was like the weird, like niche nerdy thing. And now, like, the niche nerdy stuff, like Settlers of Caton or Catan. Remember Andrew Luck used to play that? No. Nope. Like, that's become mainstream. You See, I'm not that? cool enough. I'm yeah. not cool enough to know what's <laughs> dorky now. But I, you know how some people on video games, they like to play Sega Genesis. and It's kind of cool to go find retro, really old school, and play. Like, wow, they, they play. Well, D&D, the board game, I don't know if it's coming back. I have no idea. But I know that my son, who's a dork, plays it with his friends they they play it unironically un they play it and he's 25 so it's possible oh, wow. okay so okay so it is relevant still see I, maybe i just maybe. didn't know i know that it was a big deal then um let's shift to college football which is also starting this weekend of course the big 10 as of right now not playing the pac-12 as of right now not playing i'm not sure if the pac-12 is waffling like the big 10 appears to be doing there's so much smoke and rumors and everything around the Big Ten reversing course, and maybe they're going to start in October. Um, if you had to call it today, do you think that the Big Ten stands pat, or what do you think happens here, Greg? Um, well, there's there's a couple target dates. Like there, There's a target date of October 10th out there on the Internet. I don't know if it started by a guy on Twitter named Sir Yacht, as in, you know, you drive a yacht down the, down the ocean, yacht. <laughs> Sir Yacht. So Sir Yacht, that's all he calls himself. Sir Yacht is a Ohio State kid, and and he claims to have sources that say October 10th. So whatever. Um, and he's got a lot of followers, and everybody retweets him because that's what the world does. If you tell us good news, we'll retweet it. Even if it's, oh, yeah. Even like, who the hell are you? It doesn't matter who you are. You're telling me good news. I'm going to retweet this like it's real, um, which is just our entire civilization about everything. And I could go so much more about that, but I won't. Um, anyway, the, the the other target date is something like late November after Thanksgiving. The whole thing's stupid. Look, the whole thing is stupid. What what you can't do if you're the Big Ten or the Pac-12, what you shouldn't do is you've already decided not to play football. I need to write this. You've already decided not to play football this year, postpone it, whatever. What you can't do is once you've denied, for, for good reasons, I'm on board with that, but once you've denied the college football landscape a pure season, You've decided, you've denied that. What you can't do is come back in midseason and screw it up for the teams that are playing. You, I mean, you, what's fair? What's and then expect the SEC to wait for you and have a college football playoff? Yeah. I mean, you can't. That that's why you asked me to call it right now. The way I'm calling it is the Big Ten's not playing this year. They've already said they're not playing this year. They're not going to play this year. I realize there are coaches, and I know Jeff Brom wants to, and I get it. I mean, listen, they, they've got their what they want, and I understand why they want it, but. There's a lot of people, coaches, schools, fans, Sir Yacht, saying they're trying real hard. They're hoping. They think maybe it'll – it's not going to happen. It can't happen. And sometimes you just got to have a year like this where you say it's, – it's almost like being it's, – listen, it is third and 34. You can try to throw a 35-yard completion or you can just run the ball up the middle for field position and punt. 
Okay, it is time to punt the goddamn football, and we're not playing a whole season this year. We're just not doing it. So there you go. <laughs> I'll take your analogy. I do think I think you're right. I think it's fourth and thirty-four or whatever. Um, I 100% think that the Big Ten is going to go for it. I think they're going to reverse course. I think they're going to cave to the the public pressure and the internal pressure and try to give this a go. Um, and you know whether or not I think that's the right decision is, is irrelevant. One thing that I will say, regardless of whether it's the right or wrong decision, I still believe that I, I think the Big Ten went way too early in this thing. I, I think they should have given it a couple of weeks and, you know, maybe they say they explored all the alternatives and, and look, you know, Kevin Warren, I, I do feel for him a little bit because the university presidents are the one that make this call, not him. So if they say no, he has to say no. Um, but just with them, the, the amount that they're getting dragged. And if they see some of these, other, like central Arkansas is playing, but Ohio state can't like, I can understand why people would be frustrated by that. Oh, listen, how about this? How about IU can't play football, but high school football down the road they're playing. You know, yeah. Ohio State can't play football, but but state teams in Ohio high school they're playing. I mean, I I get it. If you're a fan of one of these schools, you're thinking it makes no sense at all. And also, you look and you say, well, you're letting the kids walk around campus and breathe on each other, and you know they're going to go to parties and they're going to go to they're going to eat together and in class. You're going to let all, but you're not going to let football players that actually have access because money, you know, money is everything. They have access to the best masks. They have access to whatever they have access to. You're not going to let them bang bodies. I get that they bang bodies, but I mean, I get the frustration that, that, that it doesn't make sense that we have two different rules. It doesn't make sense. Um, but I do think the worst thing you can do, just like I said earlier about the NFL, the, the, the NFL has to go with the lowest common denominator if they make the rules uniform. They've got to go with, well, there's no fans in L.A., therefore there's no mm -hmm. fans anywhere. And they're not going to do that. Well, in this case, if you're going to have a uniform thing, you've got to go with the, the, the most hard-line denominator, which is if, there's, if we're going to be uniform, then we can't have football. Because what you can't do is have leagues that have said, we're acting in the interest of, of humanity. We're acting in the interest of society. Yeah, for the kids too, but we don't want this pandemic to keep spreading. So we're not going to play football because that's a responsible thing to do. They made that for the noble and right reasons. What you can't do is say, well, we're going to cave because all you greedy bastards want the money <laughs> and don't care if anybody gets sick. You just want money and you want to look strong to your fan bases. So for bad reasons, you're playing. So we're going to give up our noble reasons and follow you guys off a cliff. I don't, that's just not the right way to be a leader. Sometimes you have to lead by just sitting it out. Once you've decided to sit it out, and we could argue they went too soon, yes. Uh, I wouldn't, but we can argue that. But once you've decided, what you can't do is then cave in and do the worst common denominator solution. That's awful. But we can call that decision noble, Greg, but I think really the Big Ten made that decision thinking that they were arrogant enough to think that everybody else was going to fall in line and do the same thing. For sure. I think oh, that's what happened. Told, I think if you would have told the Big Ten University presidents in the first week of August that the SEC, Big 12, and ACC were going to roll along, there is no chance in hell they would have voted no. I agree. Uh, I agree. I, I, I think that's really where they made a mistake. I think they were shocked to find out. I think they knew the Pac-12 was going to follow them uh, because of the states that are involved in the schools. It's, you know, it's a different set of politics than what you see in the SEC. But um, I think they thought that by us saying no, there's going to be no season across the board. You know, and what I wonder, um, and, and, I, and I wrote a story a few weeks ago saying, could everybody please back off Kevin Warren just a little bit? I realize he's the face of the Big Ten and therefore he gets all the, the brunt of the anger. But as you've said, as we all know, the presidents voted. You know, they, they did this. Kevin Warren announced it, but the presidents did this. However, 
I should have written this in that story. I it just didn't occur to me. You know, it, it occurs to me now. It's surely Kevin Warren's talking to the commissioners of the other of, of all five. They're all talking. Surely he had an idea, or he must have had an idea what they were going to do. And my what I wonder is, did 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 all five were they all five talking like, yeah, we're 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 going to bail on it. We're going to bail on it. And then once the Big Ten bailed, and the reaction was so bad that the other three like, oops, never mind. It's, it's like that thing where you have five yeah. people. And you look around at five people standing in line, and you nod your head and say, okay, let's all take a step. And two of them step forward, and three of them go, psych, and don't step forward at all. The two are out there naked, and the three are back in the shadows laughing at you. I wonder if that's what happened. I mean, it sounded like the SEC was going to do this regardless of what happened, but the Big 12 seemed to be the one that was kind of split. And and once they decided we're going to go on, I think that's why we have, we're even talking about this. Because if the Big 12 would have shut it down uh, and you'd only have two of the five power conferences, I, I don't think that that was going to be a sustainable path forward for them. Yeah, maybe so. I, 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 the thing is, you asked me if I had to call it right now. What are we going to have? The one thing that we haven't really we haven't talked about at all yet is, uh, will the pandemic even allow this season to happen? You know, and and so far, I mean, so far it hasn't shut things down. Now it's only September, Labor Day, whatever. And I'm not. I think every college in America is probably going to be on campus. Well, the ones that are on campus, surely they're in fall semesters starting this week, if nothing else. So we will see, but, you know, and it hadn't happened everywhere. It's not like every college campus is, is shutting down stuff. It's happening a lot, but it hadn't happened everywhere. But, you know, th- this thing, it could, we will see. It could, it could, the answer, the, the question could answer itself in three weeks. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, NBA in the conference semifinals portion of the playoffs, the Heat ended up not being able to, to knock out the Bucs. Uh, the Lakers get even with the Rockets. Um, one thing interesting that has happened over the last couple of days, though, uh, Houston and Daryl Morey saying that one of their big priorities is going to bring to be, bring back Mike D'Antoni um, as their head coach. And, you know, unless they lose the next three to the Lakers and go out in unceremonious fashion, it, it sure seems like Houston is going to be interested in bringing him back. So maybe you could scratch D'Antoni off the list of potential Pacers candidates. I, I, I always kind of felt like that was a long shot to begin with, Greg, just because of the price tag. Um, for a lot of reasons. A lot. Look, yeah. the Pacers are a very, they are a very, especially under Pritchard, especially under Pritchard, but they've always been, but especially under Pritchard, they are a very progressive franchise. And, and there's a lot of fans that don't care about that. And I, I mean, maybe most fans don't care about that. It's it's not like I, I root for my team because they're politically progressive, but the Pacers are, which means I, I just don't know that they were going to fire Nate McMillan, a black coach with four winning seasons, and hire a 60-something-year-old retread white guy. I don't care what his name is. If Houston had, got, had lost in the first round, if they'd lost and he'd gotten fired, do you really fire a guy that I don't care what his name is, he's been fired everywhere he's been, and he's 60-something white guy. I don't know. I, I really believe had the Rockets, you know, fired D'Antoni after a round one exit, I really believe the Pacers, you'd, you'd have a better chance betting money on them hiring Becky Hammond over Mike D'Antoni. I never thought that made sense. I realized that five years ago, or there was a point in time years and years ago where D'Antoni was interested in, in the Pacers and or vice versa, and it didn't work out. And and Woj knows that, and he tweeted out that there was interest there. And and and, and in Anyway, it took on a life of its own, and uh, I just don't – I don't think D'Antoni was ever going to be the guy. I think they're going to hire somebody, and I don't think they're going to hire Becky Hammond. I don't. But mm-hmm. they're going to hire somebody young, not a retread, and it could be anybody. I'm not saying they're going to hire a minority coach at all. But um, what they weren't going to do is hire a 60-something-year-old, three-time losing white guy. What's going to happen? 
do we know if Reggie Miller wants to be a head coach? Because a lot of times, whenever the Colts have had a vacancy, fans have brought up to me, well, yeah, Peyton Manning. And I'm like, Peyton Manning doesn't want to be an NFL head coach. That's never going to happen because he doesn't – somebody would hire him to be a coach, but Peyton Manning doesn't want to be a coach. Do we know if Reggie Miller wants to coach? We don't know. Like the Steve Nash thing came, you know, yeah, in right. hindsight. Yeah, they come out of nowhere? Yeah. Out of nowhere. In, in hindsight, it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, he was a great point guard. The NBA is full of coaching staffs led by point guards. You know, it's kind of like being a catcher in baseball. Those guys, they, they get managerial credit mm-hmm. before they've even managed a game because, well, you're a catcher. You see, though, you know, and they, they do turn out to be pretty good sometimes. Same with point guards in the NBA. So that made sense in hindsight, although no one saw it coming. Reggie Miller will make sense in hindsight only because, well, he's a Pacers legend and therefore you do that. But I don't, I, we don't know. We don't know. Um, I do think if he wants the job and, and word gets out and Pacers fans know that he wants the job, I, I think you almost have no choice but to hire him. Um, I suspect that the Pacers would rather it not come to that because, I mean, they're teetering. They're on the brink right now of something. I don't know what. It's just a huge, enormous pivoting offseason with, you know, the two bigs. You trade one. Old Depot's got one year left in his contract. And, you know, they're, they're teetering. And they're at the, um, well, the, micro, the tipping point. And I don't think they, they look at a, a guy who's never coached a day in his life, even if his name is Reggie Miller, and think, that's what I want. So I, I bet they're hoping he keeps his mouth shut if he wants the job. Uh, having said that, so I, I don't know what he wants, but as I've told you before, if he wants it, you have no choice but to hire him and see what happens. But it is kind of the trend where you hire these guys who have no experience. Like, if, if I'm not mistaken, Derek Fisher ended his playing career and immediately was a head coach. Um, yeah. Jason Kidd, too, right? Didn't Jason Kidd get that Bucks job, like, right after he he hung up the, the sneakers? Uh, and then, of course, Steve Nash, who we just talked about. You know, no no experience at all. But I just... I don't remember, and Reggie is a really talkative guy. I don't remember Reggie even hinting at that he actually wanted to coach. Um, I'm not against it. I, I think it would be terrific if Reggie Miller came back and coached this team, but you got to want to do it because I, I would assume Reggie Miller's got a pretty nice life just being an analyst and getting paid for that and not worrying about the pressures and the obsession that you have to have to be a successful pro head coach. Yeah, and while I am sure that he would enjoy and, and would like to – you know, in a vacuum, would love to coach a team for 82 games. I mean, he's a basketball lifer and a junkie, and this is the ultimate job. And so I'm sure that part of it would appeal to him like it would to almost anybody that's in that lives that life. But I'm also, and I don't know Reggie very well. Hell, I don't know Reggie at all. And this is part of why I'm saying this. I don't know him at all because he doesn't want people like me to know him, um, which is fine. You know, I listen, if I was famous like that, I don't. Want, I, I wouldn't want people in my business either. I'm a, I'm a hermit. But I, I think given that, I don't, I mean, you got to talk to the media uh, three times a day in the NBA. You talk at morning shoot around, if you have one. You talk pregame, an hour and a half before tip off, and you talk postgame. I don't think he wants to deal with that. I I mean, the Reggie Miller I've heard about that I don't know at all because he doesn't want to talk to people like me, doesn't want to talk to people like me. And you can't avoid people like me if you become head coach of the NBA. So for that reason alone, I bet it doesn't happen. Yeah, nobody questions that he deeply loves Indianapolis and Indiana and the fans, but he's never given the local media here the time of day ever. Oh, see, I didn't even, I, I didn't know that, but and and you know, I, I'm I'm fine with it, but you know, um, Peyton Manning, for example, has been just a little bit different when it comes to that. But Reggie Bell, he we're not owed his time. He gave you know a decade and a half or whatever it was of a, a tremendous career here. Uh, in this franchise and some of the greatest moments in Pacers history. So I'm not, I'm not trying to complain about that. I'm just saying that's just the way that he's kind of done business and, you know, to each their own. Um, we teased the Becky Hammond article 
last week when we were taping the podcast, which was released later that day. And you've got another one cooking with a, a personal tie-in to a, a story from years past. By the way, about Becky Hammond real quick. I was surprised, I mean, really surprised that the story took off. I, I'm not surprised it took off. But I'm surprised that it took off and everybody loved it, at least the ones you heard from. Normally, Twitter's a place where you really hear about the anger. You know, it skews things. You think, man, they hate this because, whoa. But on this, it was, whoa, they love this. And I don't think you get skewed inaccurately towards love. If you see love, that's legit. So for whatever reason, this fan base loved the idea of Becky Hammond um, for a lot of reasons. We're ready for this, though. You know, NBA fans, I think, are the most progressive of – the major sports fans for sure. you agree oh for uh, sure. so I, I i think i think we are ready for this in the nba i think 10 years ago we probably weren't ready for this but i think we are for for a female head coach and she does have a perfect resume as, as i wrote her resume is perfect except their first name yeah. is becky and i don't mean that in a, in a sexist way i'm just i mean to the average outsider in a blind and i talked to muffet mcgraw of notre dame she said if you looked at her resume just on a blind thing and change the names of the team so you wouldn't know, you know, what the gender. If you just looked at her accomplishments everywhere, including being seven years with Greg Popovich, she's a no-brainer hire. Yeah. I mean, no-brainer. It'll, it'll, it'll happen for her. She's going to be the trailblazer and the first one to do it. I'm, I'm 100% convinced. It's going to happen. It might not be this year, but it's going to happen. But I do have a story coming out in a couple days. I, I'm writing it today, in fact. I, um, the greatest game ever pitched. Real baseball fans, I mean real hardcore. I don't mean to insult you if you don't know this, but hardcore baseball fans already know what I'm talking about. The greatest game ever pitched, September 9th, 1965. Well, Wednesday, September 9th, the 55-year anniversary. 55 is not a magic number, but I'm writing it. Why am I writing about the 55th anniversary of the greatest game ever pitched? Because one of the pitchers was Sandy Koufax, and he threw a perfect game, and he won that day one nothing. The Dodgers beat the Cubs that day one nothing. Well, the Cubs gave up one hit. And the run they they allowed was unearned. It came in a different inning. Guy walked, scored on an error. Greatest game ever pitched. Combined one hit, and the losing pitcher was my high school baseball coach. So I'm writing about the game. I'm writing about my coach, and you know a little bit about my high school. Um, I've written it actually, and I, unless I go back in there and add to it, you will see that I don't mention my career at all. I mean, I use the word career, <laughs> high school, but. Um, I mean, I'll just, I'll be, what the hell? I was All-State, okay? I was All-State twice, and and my coach is saying, you better write about you, and you better write about this. And he's, like, t- reminding me of certain things that happened. Like, no, it's not about that. So if anybody says, why do you write about yourself so much? Well, I mean, I, I, I do, but I'm trying to shed light on the world when I do it. Um, but anyway, just there's no, there's no gratuitous plugs to me. There might be a link in there. <laughs> I might, like, underline a phrase or something, and if you click on the link, you'll see it's a list of, of Stratford – all-state players. And if you were to do a name search, you'd see my name on there twice. Um, but short, short of that, I'm not going to blow myself up. But my coach, Bob Henley, was a – I mean, he was tremendous. And anyway, there's a lot to learn from this story and uh, his story. And that's what I'm doing. So there you, you go. Th- you guys think that this story is going to be about Sandy Koufax, but this was just a way for Greg to mention that he was twice All-State. So twice. jokes on you guys. Yeah. And, Two and, times. And, and note the the humility that I didn't mention that I was all state in soccer too. I I, I left oh, that, look at that in two sports, right? So while you got the hipster thing and, yeah. and you look jacked in high school, <laughs> people like me don't look like hipsters, okay? Because we were all state in a couple sports and we walk around feeling pretty good about ourselves fifty years later because we're pretty good. We don't need to have the hipster look to hide ourselves. I'm bald, but I was all state. God dang it! So here I am. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that these columnists, they, they were failed high school athletes. Well, this one wasn't. So I give you credit for that, man. That's for there sure. You know. Check out Greg's latest columns, Rodrigo Mania. 
Also, uh, Center Grove Carmel, a really cool story, you know, not about a 42 nothing football game, but about how fans were experiencing that 42 nothing football game. If you haven't read that yet, be sure to do it. Uh, Becky Hammond as well from last week and, and the piece on Greg's high school coach dueling with Sandy Koufax coming up here. All available, IndyStar.com. Please subscribe, and we'll be back for another edition of Doyle and Derek following, hopefully, a Colts big win on Sunday. We'll see you then, Greg. You make hipster look good, Derek. You make, you and Rigo both make it Forgot look good. Forgot the glasses today. No glasses. I can see in you, my mind's eye. I see him. <laughs>